0: chapter two of armand durand by rosanna le Proan this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce Peary no small amount of jealousy had been excited in alonville by the unexpected and speedy manner in which the best match of the parish had thus been appropriated by a stranger and the tongues of mothers and daughters were alike busy and merciless in their denunciations of such a step what could he see in her indeed a little doll-faced creature with no life or gaiety in her to bewitch him in such a manner what made him marry a stranger when there were plenty of smart handsome girls in his own village that he had known ever since they wore pinafores she had pretty little feet to be sure and small dainty hands but were they good for anything could they bake spin milk or do anything useful ah well retribution would come to paul durand and he would yet mourn in sackcloth and ashes the fine girls he had passed by to marry that little puppet but all these lamentations and prophecies were unavailing and in no manner disturbed the serenity of the two individuals who were the objects of them were they all unfounded alas that we should have to record it not quite the bride knew little if anything of housekeeping this was the more unfortunate as the elderly woman who had superintended durand's household skilfully enough since his mother's death had abruptly taken leave when informed of his intended nuptials it was not so much that she felt incensed at the idea of his introducing a wife into the establishment his chief fault lay in his having ignored the charms of a certain niece of her own who could boast of a really handsome face as well as comfortable dower and whom la mère niquette had decided many months previous was a suitable wife for him with this end in view she had sounded sophie's praises night and morning lauded sophie's qualities mental and moral dilated on her admirable housekeeping skill and the patience with which durand had listened to talk which he judged the result of the garrulousness of age unfortunately confirming her in her illusions which were shared by the fair sophie herself she felt too much aggrieved to remain beneath his roof after seeing her dreams so rudely dispelled the two inexperienced girls hired at the last moment to replace her though stout and willing were otherwise incompetent and the bride was thus thrown entirely on her own resources with a vague presentiment of coming trouble paul had done his utmost to induce the injured mrs nikett to retain her post he had expostulated solicited and offered what was considered then almost fabulous wages for her continued services but revenge to some natures is very sweet and she could not forego it forgetful of the kindness the consideration with which her employer had always regarded her the presents the privileges he had bestowed with a liberal hand she worked herself up to a belief that she had been treated with the most signal ingratitude and that she was really an injured personage ah she thought as she left him with a good-bye mr durand to which he coldly responded i'll soon see you arrive my gay bridegroom begging me to come back but i won't do that till you and your dainty wife have prayed long and hard and then when i do return i'll teach you both how to respect la mère Niquette. but the good old dame was mistaken neither her master nor his bride troubled her with solicitations to return long as she had lived with paul durand she had not fathomed his character yet as we have before said the women of the durand family were always notable housewives and during the long reign of the last worthy lady who had borne that name paul's house had been the best managed the most neatly kept in the village whilst his dairy products were equally famed for quantity and quality this satisfactory state of things had deteriorated very little if any during mrs Niquette's rule who to do her justice had looked as narrowly to the comforts of paul and the interests of the establishment as her late mistress had done alas under the new dynasty things were very different and it was to be hoped for the sake of the departed mrs durand's peace of mind that she was not cognizant of sublunary matters especially of details concerning her son's household the latter liked a good table and had always been accustomed to one now the soup was often burned or watery the bread sour and heavy worthy of the wretched butter destined to be eaten with it whilst the crisp brown pancakes crullers and dainty preserves that had at one time so frequently adorned his table were things of the past still with the generosity of a manly nature he neither scolded nor grumbled but contented himself with a laughing hint occasionally on the subject never alluding to it however when his wife looked worried or troubled poor genevieve did often make spasmodic efforts to acquire a small portion of the valuable science in which she was so lamentably deficient but the results were always discouraging failures and she was gradually coming to the fatal conclusion that it was no use to try as if to make matters worse Paul's sister who had just been left a widow wrote to announce that her health shaken by anxiety and fatigue during her husband's illness required change of air and she felt assured her brother and new sister would kindly receive her for a few weeks ah how honest paul durand dreaded that visit how his heart ached as he thought of his poor little wife's shortcomings laid bare to the keen gaze of that pattern and model of housewives as to Genevieve herself she counted the days and hours as the criminal counts the time that has to elapse before the execution of his sentence her suspense was not of long duration for three days after her letter mrs chartron arrived despite her recent bereavement which she really deeply felt despite her own somewhat shaken health and energy the state of matters in her brother's household alarmed almost horrified her vague rumors had indeed occasionally reached her ear of the housekeeping deficiencies of her new sister-in-law but occupied entirely with her husband who had been confined to his room three or four months previous to his death she had scarcely heeded them now they burst upon her in all their appalling reality and perhaps no greater distraction to her legitimate sorrow could have been found than the new field of regret thus opened to her how she inwardly asked herself can i find time to grieve for my poor Louis's loss when i see such wretched bread such uneatable butter on my brother's table how can i dwell on my own state of lonely widowhood when i see those abominable servants of my brother's gossiping with their beaux whilst the dinner is burning on the stove and the cream going to waste in the dairy oh it is distracting distracting it proved indeed for before mrs chartrand had been a week in the house she had almost forgotten her woes and her weeds in the fierce astonishment excited by a farther insight into the waste and mismanagement of the household for geneviève she experienced no sentiment beyond that of contemptuous pity and a keen regret that paul had made so sad a mistake in his choice that strong bustling active woman brought up to housekeeping from her cradle could not understand the sick languor the weary discouragement to which her weak nervous sister-in-law was so often a prey and more than once she inwardly accused the latter of mincing affectation affairs could not go on long in this way without her disburdening her heart to some one and one Sunday afternoon after having declined accompanying genevieve under some pretext to afternoon service she entered the room where paul was smoking in peaceful solitude there was no misinterpreting the determination that sat enthroned on her brow the portentous solemnity of her manner and he inwardly made up his mind for a scene but like a wary tactician he awaited the attack in silence paul she suddenly burst forth put down your pipe and listen to me i want to have a talk with you a talk about what was the brief response about what you ask me what could it be else than the woeful mismanagement of your household i think that is entirely my business and genevieve's he dryly replied resuming the pipe he had momentarily laid down that answer might do for a stranger but it is not a just one to make to your elder and only sister who in speaking to you is moved entirely by affectionate interest for yourself give me one fair patient hearing and i will not ask another let me now say unreservedly all that is on my mind and then if you wish it i will forever after hold my peace feeling there was some truth in her words durand silently nodded and she resumed in our poor mother's time though you had not more cows in your pasture than you have now indeed less for you have added three beautiful heifers to the stock there were always a few firkins of sweet well-made butter ranged in your cellar ready for market when the price should be satisfactory there was a goodly row of cheeses on your shelves and baskets of eggs how is it now nothing for sale at present and there will be nothing later in one corner of the untidy dairy a firkin of some pale streaky substance which we must call butter i suppose as it would answer to no other name a dozen of eggs perhaps on a cracked plate some mouldy cream and that is the extent of your dairy riches are things better in your poultry-yard remembering the broods of thriving poultry turkeys and geese that used at one time to people it my heart fairly aches when i watch now the couple of lonely goslings and turkeys or the handful of wretched little bantams wild as woodcocks that pick up a living as best they can for half of the time they are not fed though enough is wasted from each meal to fit them for prize fowl what do you say to all this brother i tell you that you are on the high road to ruin no francoise there is no danger of that god is very good to me here the speaker reverently doffed his cap my harvest this year is beyond any that i have yet gathered in though i have had my granaries often well filled everything has prospered with me in quantity as well as quality and we will not thank heaven miss the profits of dairy or poultry yard well tis a great blessing pole that you are so lucky you require to be so but what about your own comforts your table you must not be angry with my plain speaking for you have given me leave to say what was on my mind your table i believe is the worst supplied in the parish i'm sure francoise we have had some very good pies lately and fruit tarts ah brother you may well look sheepish and pretend to stare into the bowl of your pipe as you say that you cannot deceive me though you try to i saw widow lapointe's little girl stealing into the yard with them on three different occasions anything as tempting as them in the cooking line could not be produced in this house now unless i turned up my sleeves and went to work myself poor paul felt considerably disconcerted for he had secretly called at widow le and prepaid for the confection of the dainties in person hoping his sharp-sighted sister might suppose they were of home manufacture he worked still harder though in silence at his pipe while mrs chartrand piteously went on look at the garden which can be compared only to that of the sluggard overgrown with weeds and nettles and yet i see two great strong lazy girls lounging about here mother kept but one still in her time the same garden was admired by all the parish for its fine display of vegetables fruits even flowers i see no signs either of new home-made linen nor yet of good gray homespun such as every durand wife has always been able to make for her husband and her children will you tell me what can or what does geneviève do a flush had been gradually stealing over durand's swarthy countenance and at length heavily striking the table he retorted that is my business francoise only mine do you hear and had it not been for my promise to let you speak you would not have been able to say so much i know that was mrs charton's philosophical reply but as you passed your word to give me a fair hearing i shall keep you to it is not every syllable i've uttered true as gospel have i maligned genevieve in one single point if i am satisfied with my wife who else has a right to find fault with her was the loud-voiced interrogation you need not look so fiercely at me paul i see you want to quarrel but i will not gratify you tis always the way with you men when your cause is a bad one you always try to prop it up with angry words and blustering now i will have my say out if you stormed twice as much god knows no unkind or angry feeling towards your wife lives in my heart and it is for her good as well as yours that i should speak plainly no one was more delighted than myself when i heard of your marriage because i thought it would be for your happiness and so it was Françoise. and i am as happy as a king nor do i intend to make myself and my poor little wife miserable by asking her to do what she is not able to do she is not made for strong or heavy work no more than the little singing birds twittering in the elm outside besides she is young and will learn mrs chartrand inwardly thought that women as young and delicate as genevieve had often made good managers and housekeepers but she prudently kept her reflections on that point to herself and resumed without blaming your wife for her ignorance of housekeeping don't you think it would be wise for her to begin to learn at once your crops may not always prove as good as this year children bringing fresh expenses may come and the ruin you now laugh at overtake you later listen and i will make you an offer i am a childless widow free to follow my own wishes say the word and i will make my home here i will be no burden for you know i have sufficient means of my own i will teach genevieve housekeeping if she has strength or desire to learn and in any case i will take the whole burden of the household on my own shoulders your comfort your purse and happiness will gain by it now reflect well before you give me an answer either one way or the other paul Durand did so he crossed his arms on the table and rested his head on them in deep earnest thought certainly the material prosperity of his establishment beneath that thrifty housewife's care would materially increase but how would genevieve like it that was an important question firkins of butter stores of cheese would accumulate in his cellars home-made cloth and linen in his cupboards and when he would return from his farm labours hungry and tired tempting well-prepared meals would await him yes it would be very pleasant for him but would it be so for his wife who would pass the hours of his absence in shrinking from the constant supervision his sister would exercise over everything and every person around her how miserable how mortified would she feel brought perpetually into such vivid contrast with the skilful energetic madame chartron made to feel so keenly her inferiority on all the points in which the other excelled no he had no right to risk his wife's happiness by bringing a third party to dwell beneath his roof and in a kind though firm tone he rejoined thank you Françoise, for your kind offer the prompting i know of a good heart but i think it better that i and my little genevieve should rough it alone troubles we will have i suppose like most married people but we must try to bear them patiently and if genevieve is wanting in some things she possesses at least a gentle affectionate nature and a loving heart tis finally settled then paul yes you are not angry no do you not think i have better sense than that but i must leave to-morrow i could not endure any longer the trials to which both my temper and my patience are continually exposed in this house Between Genevieve's indifference and the shameless negligence of her two lazy girls, I would be worried to death before a fortnight, debarred as I would be from trying to set things right. Why, they have almost made me lose sight of my poor dead husband and of that decent grief which, as a respectable widow, I am bound to feel. I will go to my room now and read some prayers, for I missed vespers this holy Sunday to have a talk with you she left the room and paul lapsed into a brown study from which she was at length roused by the entrance of his wife come here Genevieve. she obeyed and passing his arm around her he said looking earnestly into her face my sister wishes to come to live with us she will take all the charge of the housekeeping into her hands the bride's pale cheek slightly reddened her lip quivered but with an effort of self-control she quietly answered of course paul if you wish it no my little wife it shall not be no one shall come between you and i and we'll struggle through our troubles unhelped i have already told sister francoise so and the blame of refusal will rest entirely with myself how eloquently the lustrous brown eyes thanked him how tenderly the small fingers closed on his own reconciling him in their mute expression of affection to the many shortcomings that mrs chartrand had so piteously laid before him the latter kept her resolution of taking an early leave and the following morning whilst sunrise was still flushing the east mounted into the comfortable little spring cart in which her brother was to drive her back to her own abode if paul had felt any qualms of conscience for his refusal of her kindly intended offer the sight of her plump portly figure and full ruddy cheeks which he inwardly contrasted with his wife's frail little frame and delicate face fully reconciled him to the past after mrs chartron's visit one of the incapables was dismissed and a substitute procured in the shape of a rare housekeeper who could do everything almost as well as mrs chartron herself but alas she had a terrible temper and would pounce like a tigress on that innocent lamb her mistress without the slightest provocation knowing her value genevieve bore everything patiently but one afternoon that marie was venting her constitutional ill-temper in sundry insolent remarks as to what some people were sent into the world for when they were not able to even help a poor overworked servant with a churning or a baking her master whom she supposed busy in the farmyard entered unperceived and after listening a moment to her angry diatribes laid his hand on her shoulder and ordered her at once to pack up and go of course there was a storm afterwards and genevieve securely shut up in her room listened in nervous alarm to the uproar going on outside the rattling of crockery the warlike clashing of knives and the spasmodic movements of chairs benches pails kicked over in turn it subsided however in time and husband and wife felt equally relieved when the door closed upon their skillful but redoubtable help Paul devoutly though somewhat obscurely thanking providence that they would have peace now even though they should soon be again in the midst of chaos referring probably to the general irregularity and confusion from which marie's activity had dragged the household End of chapter two